Hello again, and welcome to episode three of Rolling Fat. Um, this is going to be, you know, a twice a week thing, so figured I might as well every Sunday morning come out with the Sunday preview, which does the matchups, all that kind of stuff. Also, recap a little bit of Thursday night. Um, so let's get started. Uh, Thursday night recap. Shocker. Minnesota lost a one-score game. Jimmy, you know, at like Al Michaels knows, reverting to the mean. Yeah, clear as day, writing's all over the wall. Uh, Kirk Cousins came out firing, kept it up all game long against the beaten up Eagles secondary. Um, told you Thursday night Kirk is definitely different than primetime Kirk. Large distinction there. Uh, beneficiaries of that, Justin Jefferson with almost 27 fantasy points. Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, and KJ Osborne, which was a fourth option and still got 12.4 points on the week. Definitely spreading the wealth out, wealth out there. Um, impressive. Madison had a rough night against the Eagles front seven, as predicted. You know, they do have a stout uh, D-line. The rotation is deadly against running backs. Uh, maybe the game was closer in the middle quarters. He could have seen a little bit more value, but that's just not the way the game went. Um, the Eagles on the other side had a slow start. Mind-boggling conservative pass calls, unsuccessful run plays. Um, kind of looked a lot like last week's performance. But eventually, they turned the series into the game of run the damn ball. Um, pretty much kept that going for multiple series in a row. It did work in the beginning. They went away from it for a second, and then they were like, you know what? Back to that. Um, Swift was the main beneficiary with Gainwell out. Um, he showed he's more than just you know a guy, um, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he had 120 over 125 of his 175 yards were before contact. This means the combination of the play design, the attention to Jalen Hurts, the offensive line push, Swift was almost averaging four and a half yards per carry out of his 6.3 yards per carry. So if you're getting that far past the line, you know, most of the time you're going to have a positive outlook on the day. Um, he took advantage of his opportunity and, you know, more power to him. This could end up being the end of fantasy relevance for both of them now. Um, game one and Swift. If they continue to make the starts, carries, touches, unpredictable, and, you know, even for the most part, um, it, it could be... You know, it could pretty much eat away both of their production fantasy-wise. But in these situations, if there ever is a clear one that does emerge, like when Gainwell is out and Swift is starting, then it usually has huge upside, um, especially, you know, think playoffs. So later weeks in the season, if somebody works out to be the guy, it's usually um, more productive, especially later in the season. Um, A.J. Brown had a disappointing night and made it known he wasn't thrilled with that. But the lack of his success did give room to Goddard. Got a lot more of the passing work as expected. And Devontae Smith only had five targets behind Brown's six and Goddard's seven. But he did the most with them. Four catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Um, when you're that fast and that great of a technician on the outside, his small size rarely ever even comes into play. And I can't go on without saying the Eagles D put up another big fantasy week and looks to continue to show out the rest of the season in fantasy and the NFL. Um, this is mostly because that front four rotation specifically can turn it on, you know, any team into a pass only team um, by just diminishing the run. And especially if they get a lead, it's, you know, multiplies that whole idea. Uh, the, the predictability does give the defense a huge lift. A lot of times it's only, you know, just emotional confidence. But even that alone can really um, you know, help a defense get through the season. 
Um, as far as the NFL matchups go this week, we're going to talk about the Kansas City-Jacksonville game um, first. Um, Kansas City is favored by three and a half with an over-under of 51. Um, it is the largest over-under of the week, so an expected outcome of about 27 to 24 in favor, favor of the Chiefs. Kansas City only scored 20 against an average defense, um, NFL defense last week in Detroit. It really doesn't give me much faith that they are seven points better with Kelsey back in the lineup. Um, maybe they are. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's a seven-point swing type of player um, unless the other guys show up. Um, I do believe their defense is greatly improved with Chris Jones back in the lineup, which is a little backwards as well. You know, still saying they're 51 over-under with a better defense. That's typically not how it works out. Um, last week, Kansas City gave up 21 to the Detroit Lions, who do have a potent offense with a lot of weapons. Jacksonville scored 31 against the hapless Colts, who maybe have one or two guys on that side of the ball you even know by name anymore. Um, I think the Jags look to go over the expected total of 24 points. And although it may not be this way at the end of the season, I could see the Jaguars getting all the way up this game, you know, riding that high from the division win last week, and maybe feeling confident over, you know, a little bit of a defeated Kansas City team. Um, Kansas City offense will revolve around the same two people it always does, Mahomes and Kelsey. If they are eating, it typically means they are driving the ball, and even though you will see them go insane fantasy-wise, the guys around them, you know, the running backs trail routes behind Kelsey clearing, the receivers, the receivers are able to get more over the top because the safety is dropping down to cover Kelsey. All these situations, Mahomes is still going to force Kelsey the ball, so they will be the main point getters on the week. But once a defense overcommits, Mahomes does have the ability to turn a lead into a blowout lead by using those extra guys um, for the kill shots. Um, Tony lost a big opportunity last week to be the guy for this and come through, but maybe it's somebody else's turn to try now. Sky Moore, Rashi Rice, um, these are the biggest names being talked about with any kind of confidence out of the camp there. Um, you could definitely see Kansas City not shying away from Tony. Uh, they made it publicly known there he's still the guy, but you know if the actions show different, you can ride this wave on a different receiver rest of the way. You know, even um, MVS could be a, a guy down the road that ends up being the guy, but it's got to be reliable and he's got to be in the places that Mahomes wants him. Uh, Jacksonville had a fairly solid fantasy showing last week. Trevor Lawrence was active in the air, targeting four different players five plus times. Uh, Christian Kirk was the only starter with, you know, had only three. So surprising. People expected him to be, you know, a little bit more of part of the offense. Um, and surprised to see Zay Jones being such a large part. But it's only week one. You know, things could easily shift as the season goes on. You know, we try to stay fluid. Uh, Bigsby was also not a huge threat to ETN's usage. Um, as many were talking about in the offseason, it seems like ETN did you know an efficient job with the ball, so he did hold a lot of those carries, especially late in the game. Um, it was weird because in the early preseason, that was knocking ETN down the draft board. It seems like people got a good value on him if they did pick him up later than the other running backs in that, in that field. Um, uh, Casey's defense is strongest up the middle with Chris Jones and Derek Nadia defensive tackle, and Willie Gay at linebacker, followed by Justin Reed playing in four at safety. Um, this kind of fits right into Jacksonville's hands, though. ETN thrives off the wide zone, using his speed and ability to make that one cut upfield. So he's going to try to get to the edge, break it off that way. Um, Jacksonville also has some issues at the offensive line between injuries and, and poor play. So, you know, 
on the docket. Quick pitches, smoke screen slants across the board, let things that get the ball in the playmaker's hands quickly so it doesn't have to worry about the, the rush up the middle. Um, the Jags have those guys that can win in that way, though, and the ultimate equalizer is a design QB draw to slow the rushers down. Um, the easiest way to slow down a pass rush, whether it be on the outside or inside, is typically when you run right at it. Um, if you're running right at the player, they have to make a decision on which way they're going against the guy that's blocking them. If you're reading that, then they're constantly making the wrong move. gets frustrating, gets tiring. That's a way you can kind of slow that down the middle. All right, next thing I'm going to talk about is Seattle versus Detroit. Seattle is um, getting five points um, against Detroit with an over-under of 47 and a half. Um, I have to repeat this stat. I heard it about 100 times this week and on every different platform, sports network, whatever. I would be rude not to share it with you guys. The last two times these teams have played, Seattle, Detroit, they have scored 93 points and 80 points. Um, no series of three games ever between two points went or between two teams went over 80 points three times in a row. So could be some part of history here. Um, neither team really has shown the ability that they have the offensive chops to support that lofty expectation again. But after looking in further, it's not that crazy. Uh, the last two times that these scores happened, the 93-point game and the 80-point game, they were both in 2022, so not that long ago. The most recent game was last October, which had almost identical rocker, rosters. The only difference was Jamal Williams was playing on the Lions. I would say Wib, that gives us an upgrade there. Um, and they had Hawkinson as well. All right, obviously not an upgraded tight end, but let's be honest, it's not a big deal. He's a tight end. He's not changing the overall score, you know, scored points that much. Um, the point is here, I would rather be looking at the game with that giant glimmer of hope in my eye that multiple guys can go the fuck off and just completely dominate than feel bad about how they performed last week and underachieved. Um, they all have the potential to show out. A lot of you know good guys in this, in this game that have performed in the past, and it's definitely the wrong possibility here. Um, I also truly believe Dan Campbell is seeing the light. And we'll get Gibbs more involved. Uh, There's a lot of jokes this week. A lot of the media was asking him about it. And he kind of kept brushing it off like, hey, if you're going to keep bothering me about giving Gibbs the ball, I'm just not going to give it to him. I think that was done in jest. I do expect to see him um, be a lot more involved. Uh, young guys like him need to see the live reps to really understand the feel of the lanes opening up and closing. Um, when they open up, where to read your offensive lineman at. It's a lot of feel. Um, a feel you don't really get without those live reps. Practice is not the same. Uh, Montgomery has a ton of experience and was more reliable when it came down to it in the game, and they had a chance to win. Um, in those games, a guy like Dan Campbell, who's been in the league, is going to go with what he trusts, not so much the upside, but as the season goes on, if the upside keeps showing without any you know, mental mistakes, it can be better. Um, if they and myself are hoping they can show the explosiveness and not make the rookie mistakes, like I said, um, it should be good. Uh, the only receiver that has reliable consideration for the Lions is St. Brown. Josh Reynolds and Sam Laporta will have their flash weeks, but if the running backs become a bigger contributor in the past game, their numbers will go down a little bit. Um, the first game, Gibbs and Montgomery really weren't that involved in the past game, so you know one of those things eventually is going to work out that way. Um, Seattle's defensive strength is their secondary, so once again, not a point in the secondary receivers for the Lions. Um, St. Brown will get all the targets most likely. 
So this gives us even more reason to believe they will go completely top-heavy with St. Brown and both running backs are potential flex plays. I don't know if they're going to be studs, but they should be you know, substantial. Um, Seattle did not pass the ball very much last week, but to be fair, they also didn't run the ball or even play offense at all much last week. Um, the second half of the game, they only had 13 offensive plays, which is just not fantasy sustainable whatsoever. Um, this defense this week won't be any easier, but they do have the advantage of another week melting the offensive minds and including Charbonnet and Smith and Jigaba in the offense. Now, Charbonnet is not expected to get any more burn than he got the first week, um, but the threat of him being on the field and not having to change the play call is a strength um, as they get more comfortable with the offense. With all success this team had last year as a team and specifically on offense, you got to think it's still there. They do still have the ability to score the big points. Um, losing to the Rams last week was a tough one, but losing back-to-back, including the Lions this week, would com- could possibly like, completely crush their confidence, um, and especially in an early point in the season. That's tough. Backs against the wall for them, even if it was only week two. Um, this is especially you know, made worse if they play as bad as they did last week. Then it's really desperate times. Uh, expect the score is 26-21 in favor of the Lions. If there's going to be a six-plus six plus touchdown game, it's safe to say they both um, are good teams to have fantasy investment in. Like I said before, receivers for the Lions outside of St. Brown, I don't know if I would put my money there. Um, but you could see bounce back weeks from Lockett um, in this one as well. So could be good. Uh, both sides look to have some increased value over the week one outputs, which is good every week we can do that. All right, so the fantasy matchups in our league we're going to be highlighting this week. Um, myself first, Dave, is off the bat. Um, we are the only two teams playing 1-0 this week. The Shrimp called a shot. Jalen Hurts had the solid week, um, as we were you know, used to seeing earlier. And DeAndre Swift you know, went into an incredibly you know, amazing peak fantasy goodness there. That was clutch. Dave had him, on, Dave had him ready to go. Um, just a note to fantasy owners. This is just a tip I've learned over the years. Something I heard a long time ago kind of stuck with me. Um, in the off chance you have an injury in your starting lineup, you know, Friday, Saturday, always want to shift your potential flex guy to one of your starting running back or wide receiver spots. It gives you more flexibility if something does happen later in the week. Um, it's okay that Dave made that mistake. I appreciate that for him. <laughs> but it's okay for you guys setting your lineup before today. Um, or in future weeks, always want to make note of that. Um, so outside of the Eagles game and Dave scoring about half of his original expected points there with just two players, he has a lot invested in the Bills versus Vegas as his kicker and Stephon Diggs count for about half of his remaining total. Um, after that, he will be crossing his fingers for some explosion for Mostert, which is very possible. Uh, Devon A-Chain is coming back for them from injury, but he's a late-round gadget guy, so he doesn't really pose a legitimate threat to Mostert's um, starting touches, and if they keep firing the way they did week one, um, everybody on the offense is a potential starter week in, week out, just because they have so many possessions, they'll have so many opportunities to score, and long drives also give them more ability to score um, on a weekly basis. On my side of the table, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on the Rams-Niners matchup because I need McCaffrey to you know blow out his 20 expected points, which is already high enough. Um, but I also need Dave's Cam Akers to just not do anything at all. Um, it's kind of like a little bit of a hate watch there, so it's nice. Um, 
So my, that would be a big advantage of my running back one spot over Dave's, which would put me in a good position. Um, I will have last crack at the scoring as Browns D is on Monday night, which should be fun. No, not stressful at all. I'm very sure of that. Uh, next matchup we talk about is John versus Tom. Uh, whereas myself and Dave were the only one and O teams playing this week, they are both 0-1. Uh, the original projected score, Tom was winning 117.6 to 117.5. Extremely close was one of the main reasons I picked this game as well to highlight. Um, after Tom had kind of a shit showing for Madison, countered by a really good game by Hawkinson, he actually gained a few points on the expected total and is now supposed to have about a three-point advantage. Um, Tom might have missed his chance at one of those usual weeks for Addison because um, he kept him on the bench and he outscored all the expected points for his players that he could replace. They still all look strong. Um, it's hard to pick those weeks when with guys like that. They're you know going to explode here and there. Um, it's, <laughs> it's kind of the worst part about this kind of league versus the best ball league where you can just draft it and your best players get to get the start. Um, really can't blame him here, though, because he has Devontae Adams. Um, who is an incredible fantasy player, and Godwin going against the Bears, which looks to be a plus matchup as well. Um, the one slot that I could have kind of seen him in is Josh Kelly as his flex, but with Echo on the bench, uh, Josh Kelly could be a fucking incredible show up this week. So it uh, could be you know, the waiver wire steal of the uh, of the season, getting him so late if Eckler does miss more time. You know, they're saying it's more than just an injury. It's an injury you know, might be multiple injuries that he's dealing with, so it could be even more valuable. Uh, John might have the strange joy of getting to truly do a hate watch um, with hatred in their heart. It's great because uh, <laughs> John has T. Higgins, who no-showed last week, so he's really got a lot invested in him, especially when uh, Tom has Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon um, on the other side. So, the narrative could go one way where all Joe Burrow's stats go to Higgins and Mixon doesn't show up at all, which would put so much you know, more of the uh, fantasy weight on John's team. Um, but you know that narrative little cheerio is going to be tight because it's going to take a last-ditch effort for him because he's got defense uh, for Pittsburgh on Monday night as well. I don't know, Tom's got a... Tom's got a slight advantage there. I feel like just based off um, the fact that Burrow and Mixon are going to want to, you know, come back and really show out. Higgins might as well, but he doesn't have control. Burrow does. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, next matchup, Kyle and Steven versus Mike. Uh, Kyle and Steven are one Mike is 1-0. This is the closest projected score after Jefferson's 19-plus point Thursday night showing with the duo expected to win 110.1 to 107 over Mike. Um, they'll most likely refuse to watch the Cowboys game, Kyle and Steven, but it does weigh heavily on their outcome. Uh, Brees Hall with a huge opportunity to blow away his expected points of 9.3, um, down to the fact that he's actually expected to split carry still and be on a uh, pitch count there. Um, but if he has a few long runs, definitely in the realm of possibilities, that 9.3 will get blown out of the water. Um, he has shown, he has also shown in the past, he can be successful in offense with Zach Wilson, a quarterback, um, which I feel like is a reason to drop those points as well. A lot of people think now that Zach Wilson's in there, everybody's, you know, point expected total is going to be a little bit lower. Um, but he had great weeks with Zach Wilson last year, so it really shouldn't change too much with him. I think the bigger thing is Dalvin Cook's emergence as a steady, reliable guy. 
Um, they also have the Jets D playing against the Cowboys, whereas Mike has Garrett Wilson in his starting lineup. Um, a lot can swing on that game and how it plays out. Dallas' D can keep up the pressure as they did against the Giants, but it will be indoors, so it's highly unlikely they play to that level again. Um, but Zach Wilson could be just that guy to make it happen and have, have the Cowboys put up another insane week. Um, Mike a lot of, has a lot of his team's outcome in the New England, uh, New England versus Miami game, whereas Ma- Ramondre and Hunter Henry are starting versus the Dolphins for about 20% of his total expected points, um, actually closer to about 19. Um, Miami's D is proven to be a major flaw, so their usage and opportunities could easily go up if the game is anywhere near how fast the Chargers game was. Um, it, it, I mean, th- they weren't stopping anything. It's Easy to see that Ramondre could put up insane numbers, um, breakaway runs. Hunter Henry could be explosive. He's got the return of Mike Gesicki on the other side to maybe take some of the pressure off him. Uh, they might be focusing on him, thinking that New England's trying to do their special things, giving guys extra, you know, extra reason to play. Um, but still, Hunter Henry is a, a really high-end star for a tight end this week, um, going against Miami D, who just couldn't stop anything last week. Um, lastly, Mike is trotting out Chubb versus Kylan Stevens, Najee Harris in a true AFC North head-to-head hard-nosed football game where both these players could be the MVP for their team this week. Obviously, mean that Steelers go back to his usage from last year and he hits a couple big plays, but that outcome has been there in the past and will continue to be a part of his outcomes. Um, Chubb, slightly more likely and has a higher floor as well. Najee is the poor man's Chubb pretty much in fantasy these ways. Fantasy these days, not not play style, but fantasy output, reliable, you know, volume. So, but Chubb once again, being a part of the whole offense now is it shows insane value. Okay, so as noted prior, I am adding a new segment. It's going to be called Ask Danielle Football Questions, where I ask her a few random questions based off fantasy, based off just you know common football knowledge, or maybe some advanced football knowledge, and just to see what her natural reaction is and her answer is. If you've stuck around through all that information, you kind of deserve some of this um, some of this humor at the end here. Thanks. And now welcoming on my lovely wife, um, who you know was dying to be a part of this situation, is now part of it. So do you have anything to say before we get started? No, I do not. <laughs> okay. So... Basic stuff first. How many players are on the field per team? 11. 11 defense, 11 offense. Okay, good. What does 13 personnel mean? Uh, 13 people on, on the field. You want to stick with that? <laughs> no. One plus two or something. <laughs> <laughs> We've been over this many times. Come on. I don't remember. <laughs> One running back, three tight ends. Okay. All right, and the rest are? Offense. Oh, my gosh. All right, what is the section field called between the 20-yard line and the end zone? The, the field goal. The field goal, the okay. End zone. The, the red zone. Red zone, <laughs> there you go. All right, now we're going to do some game predictions. Who would you say is going to win? Kansas City minus 3.5 versus Jacksonville. So Jacksonville's getting 3.5 points. Or Kansas City wins by four points or more? Kansas City. You take Kansas City. Okay. Seattle plus five versus Detroit. I'd say Seattle. 
Well, no, no. I let go with Detroit. Detroit, you yeah. sure? Yes. Why? Why? Why'd you pick them? Uh, just is Russell Wilson still on, on the Seahawks? <laughs> <laughs> okay, picking Detroit off a guy I played for a team two years ago. All right, now you got to pick fantasy wise. That ass though, or Chihu Keith Chiefs? Oh, well, that ass though. Even though I feel like the other one's you. <laughs> yeah, just pick Dave over me. <laughs> All right, John. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, munching on bunching or Welvin the Great got him. Munching on bunching. Okay. What's a goon to a goblin or Gabe Ruth? What's a goon to a goblin? Okay. How do you say to his full name? To a Tyavailoa. To a Tyavailoa. Close. All right. And then last but not least, when a player has a green dot on their helmet, what does that mean? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything with autism. <laughs> uh, they are starting the starting lineup. <laughs> okay. And that was Football Questions with Danielle. If you guys like this segment, maybe we'll bring it back for another week. So to recap, the, uh, the expected score totals for following, and this is following Thursday night's games. Dave is expected to win over myself, 127.7 to 112.7. Kyle and Steven are expected to beat Mike, 110.1 to 107. E is expected to lose to Jay, 93.9 to 114.4. John is expected to beat Tom, 117.5 to 123.7. Jimmy is expected to lose to Nikki Co. 111 to 136.5. And Tits is supposed to beat Rex 119.2 to 107.5. Good luck, everybody, this week. Love you all. Talk to you soon.